Hello and welcome to Data Driven, the podcast where we explore the emerging fields of data science, machine learning, and artificial intelligence. In this episode, Frank and Andy speak to Dana Mantilla about cybersecurity and why companies are not investing their time and attention where they should be. This episode was originally recorded on a livestream and this was the first time we had a guest join us on the livestream for a show. Season 4 just keeps the innovations coming. Without further ado, here are your hosts, Frank Lavinia and Andy Leonard. All right. Thanks for tuning in to Data Driven. If you're watching this live, thank you for taking time out of your day. I realize um, this being the lead up to the holidays, uh, things are kind of hectic. I know in Chateau Lavinia, things are very hectic today. Um, we, uh, Andy and I are uh, happy to announce a new guest that we have with us. I first saw her on LinkedIn when she would do these really cool training videos on um, basically security topics. And with, um, with Black Friday, uh, literally a week from now, Cyber Monday, and the, this, the, the, the creativity, alarmingly creative and flexibility of scammers that we've had in light of the COVID pandemic, et cetera, et cetera, um, uh, figured it'd be worth having kind of a good discussion about just the basics of cybersecurity and why it's important. My wife happens to be in the cybersecurity field, so... Uh, I'd like to think that I'm better prepared, but I know if you think you're better prepared, that's probably a vulnerability. Um, so uh, welcome to the show, Dana. Well, thank you for having me. Nice to be here. Um, so this is, you are actually the first guest we're going to have on the show that we interviewed live on a live stream first on video. Very honored. Very honored. To be so here. awesome. We're trying to push the boundaries for season four. Um, so tell us a, a little bit about uh, you and your company um, for those that haven't seen your videos on LinkedIn. Okay, sure. Yeah, my name is Dana Mantilla, and I am the founder of Identity Protection Planning. And we try to help educate people uh, in very layman's terms on how they can protect themselves from identity thieves and cyber criminals. And uh, so we offer a variety of different kinds of training, either, you know, training that's a webinar, some videos, or we have an online platform that's short little videos that everyone is required to watch. And just to kind of start spreading the word, I mean, cybersecurity is not going away. And unfortunately, the, um, the frontline workers are the people that really are maybe not educated on it. And they also are the ones that are clicking on things they shouldn't be clicking on. So. No, so that's a good point. So one of your most recent videos, and this is the one that, that, that made me think we should have her on the show, <laughs> was the one, the gift card scam, and how somebody in your organization got snared up in this. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's crazy. I mean, that, the way that I did that little video is how exactly how it happened. She came to my office door with her coat on, and I said, well, why do you have your coat on? And she said, oh, I'm going to get that stuff you need. And I said, well, what stuff are you talking about? And she said, the stuff we were just... Uh, messaging back and forth about it. I said, I, I was, I've been sitting here in my office just doing work. I didn't message you about anything. So then she showed me and the, the person initially sent an email that looked like it was kind of from my email, very similar, which is always usually what they do. And then, um, you know, the urgency factor, I always tell people when there's a sense of urgency, we have to stop and say, well, is this really a big, big emergency here to go buy gift cards? Um, but people want to please their boss. So they get these emails and they act upon them. So she, then, the, then the person said, um, can you give me your email? I mean, your uh, cell phone, I want to text you this. So then the conversation jumped over to her cell phone and now they're texting back and forth. And she said, well, how am I going to pay for these? And they he said, well, you know what? 
just when you get to the store, read off the numbers in the back of the card. And then when you get back, I'll reimburse you. So they were, I mean, it was just back and forth and back and forth. Anybody would have fallen for this, anybody. Wow. The thing that struck me as the most insidious part is how they moved away from email pretty early in the process. Mm-hmm. Because maybe, I mean, it was a good, I mean, there was a, I don't know. As a data scientist, I, I, I hate giving out statistics, but let's say there's a 50-50 chance that that person had your cell phone number. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and it's a good gambit for them because I guess they didn't have your number already saved in their phone, so they can have this whole conversation with you. Right, yeah. And, and, and I would assume that folks in your organization are well-trained. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're at least talking about this stuff right. all the time. So <laughs> yeah. that's, that's a startling factor is that – you know, we're talking about all these things all the time, and we we, we totally almost just fell for it. So, wow. well, uh, I never disclosed this publicly uh, until I'll do it now. Is that one time, uh, Microsoft? I, I work for Microsoft. They they pay the mortgage. They pay for the electricity that goes through the uh, my little monitor display there. Um, but they will routinely send out kind of phishing emails, and it'll be like urgent. You have to like you know do this because your expense report or something mm-hmm. like this. And I shouldn't admit this publicly, but I did. I was driving. I see this like emergency thing come through on like the screen. And I'm like, okay. so I didn't think I clicked on it. Right. And it, it got it, it, it got a there was there was there should have been an animated GIF of like somebody at the company doing this. <laughs> but it was like this. It was this like badge of shame of like, hey, you fell for this, mm-hmm. you know, and I was like, oh, wow. crap. And mm-hmm. I was like, I learned two lessons. One, um pull over first (laughs) if i can't mouse over the link probably shouldn't click on it right and three is just that sense of urgency um was what really like and maybe there's a psychological thing to this where it just tricks off like this the primordial brain or uh i know there's the the three brain model and andy and i go off on tangents a lot dana i should have warned you but not us ultimately the idea is that once you're kind of anxious about something right your your higher brain functions are going to if not shut off, kind of be pushed mm-hmm. to the side. And all you have to do is click the link to get your answer or, or, or whatever. I mean, it seems like these folks are well versed in this type of psychology. Yeah. And they also know too, that, you know, every, when you're on your mobile, everybody's rush, 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 rush. We're rushing on the mobile phone all the time. And that is a, a little scary because sometimes even when you look on the mobile, you can't even see who it's from. It'll, it'll, you know, just say a name or something like even some of the Apple ones that come out, it'll say, Oh, it's from Apple. But if that's not, you know, the exact, doesn't show you the phone number or whatever it is. It's just what the scammer has put up there as, you know, the who it's from kind of thing. So, yeah, there's a lot of things we need to all start doing or not doing. Right. It's um, it's an interesting, it's just fascinating that with all this advances in cybersecurity, and uh, I've seen a lot of the things that the technical weeds we're not going to go into, humans are like the weak link. Yep. Yeah. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And that's the front line to most of the stuff. And, uh, you know, the urgency factor, just to go back to that real quick, one scam that that is targeted at seniors is uh, the grandparent scam. And so what they do is they will call up and pretend that they're someone's grandson or granddaughter and something crazy happened, like they're held hostage in a Mexican jail or something, and they need to have money right away wired to them so that they can uh, you know, get out of there. So then to make it even sound more valid, they, they put the, the prison guard on the phone and they say, you know, oh, this is the information. This is where you need to send it to. And he's a very stern person. And these people really do fall for this. And a lot of the people, Western unions around the country, they, they know that this scam is, is running rampant. So they'll try to stop people. 
I did a, um, a, speech, a speech the other day or whatever, a talk the other day, and there were about, probably about a thousand people on there. And nobody said anything when I brought this up. And then at the end, when we had the Q&A, there had to at least be 25 to 50 people that said, my, my mother fell for this and she would not believe that it wasn't my son. You know, another one said that they're... Wow. The, the, the scam was that they said that their grandson was uh, had drugs in the car and was with some guy that he was going fishing with. And it was just one after the next. And a lot of the time, the seniors won't even admit that this happens because they're embarrassed by it. Sure. And then they're afraid that their children, their adult children, are not going to let them manage their finances. So, again, it's a whole play on urgency, play on emotion, and you're not even thinking straight. I mean, if somebody came up to you and said, um, your grandson is in a Mexican jail right now and we need you to give money. You do stop and think a little bit, but the way we act online is very different than the way we act when we're here. The way we act on the phone, when somebody calls, we want to believe them, then we would act as if they were standing in front of us. So that's kind of some of the awareness that I like to, to, to spread is to say, just ask yourself, if this person was standing here and this conversation was happening, would it sound crazy? You know? Right. So Dana, we've talked a lot about the problem and um, I, I, how do we make ourselves shift gears like that? How do we engage you know, mentally in a way that maybe defeats this urgency? Well, you know, cybersecurity training has been, you know, going on over the years. The problem is getting bigger and bigger and bigger, and we're throwing more and more money at it, and it's not getting any better, right? Yeah. So I say we need to approach it. I look at things a little bit differently. So usually it's the IT department that's responsible for putting together a program to teach the regular non-technical people, you know, what they need to do and not do. So they're forced to sit through an hour, hour's worth of training. They're about to fall asleep. All they want to do is be able to get get through it so they can check off the, the, the box <laughs> that they actually went. They did it. That's it. And I don't think that's the best way to teach people. Okay. What I think we should do is we should start teaching them how they can protect themselves, their families, their homes. Because then there's going to get some interest. They're going to say, hey, you know, that's I better call my mother and tell her to watch out for that. Or I better make sure my son's not doing that. And there's a, there's a buy-in there. So now once you get that buy-in, there's an awareness that we need to start protecting things. And then when you're talking about the, at the company, you've already educated them on how they should be looking at their emails. Then now they know how that they need to be looking at the emails of the company because emails is pretty much where most of the problems are, are starting from. So, so I just think it's, if we looked at it a little bit differently, maybe we would be getting through to people a little bit differently. Well, I like your approach because we've already kind of walked through a lot of this and we've said that it's not a technical issue at all. And mm -hmm. Being an IT person, and Frank just uh, uh, Frank admitted earlier that we're high-functioning, um, you know, savants. Basically, Frank and I are. We're both ADD, and um, you know, and, and not, it's not enough to count cards in Vegas, though. <laughs> not that which I good. totally feel no. cheated. I'm sorry. Sorry, I cut you off. That's okay. It was funny. The uh, but you know, it, having the uh, when you were just describing that, I was imagining people that you know even my you know myself and frank doing this and we're like i said kind of high functioning but normal it people um and nothing against normal it people i love you i mean it but having them try to explain something non-technical because if if we've identified that the issue is not really a technical problem and we've thrown money at it and bought you know developed software that others have built and all of that really what's happening here is very psychological so i would i would think that 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 approach you just described, having a non-technical person walk through this, which sounds to me very emotional scenario that comes at you, you know, on, on people you love and urgency, and it's on your phone. And it's mm -hmm. like every card that 
the scammers have is being played against, especially older people who are not mm -hmm. familiar, not as familiar with the technology as some of us. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. So I just think it's a different way to approach things. And it, it comes across as if you're giving the employee a benefit as opposed to forcing them to sit down because you need to protect the company. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay, great. Right. That's, cool. That's what I have to do, you know, kind of thing. So. We all I just have to that those, vision. Uh, mandatory yeah. training. Sorry. Yeah, I just had a vision of office space of, you know, <laughs> is this good for the company? The big banner. Friday yeah. is crazy shirt day. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, there's our movie reference for the show, Andy. That um, <laughs> I don't have my soundboard. You don't have um, your sound? No, that's one of the disadvantages of switching to LinkedIn Live. Mm. We'll fix it. You know us. We're engineers, Andy. <laughs> um, so... The, the question, I guess, is um, how do – so, you know, I mean, I think what was really insightful was, you know, my wife bought a bunch of studies uh, of books to study for the CISSP and all that. And it's like a – I mean, it's a, it's a book. Um, and um, it's not technical. You're right. I mean, people are the weak link. And I think people and, – and that whole – like you, you brought it out, the whole shame factor. Like I'm not going to admit – like, I mean, that thing that happened to me, I got caught by our internal team, right? That was a year ago, like, mm -hmm. and I'm just mm -hmm. admitting it now. Like, mm -hmm. you know, and uh, and I did that on purpose because, well, I didn't hide it on purpose. Well, I guess I did. But I'm, I wanted to, to point out is that there's not a lot of shame. I mean, the shame of this, I think, is a big barrier, isn't it, to protection, isn't it? Yeah, definitely it is. You know, we all have to get over that. Oh, my goodness, I don't want to be the one that, you know, took the company down or I don't want to be the one that, you know, did this or let this in or what, you know, whatever, whatever the case may be. It's uh, definitely a shame factor is, is a big thing. And, and recognizing that the people are the biggest thing. And one thing is that cybersecurity training, right? So it's going on a little bit here and there, the big companies, much more so some of the smaller companies and medium sized companies, there is nothing. It's like the wild west going on out there. So, you know, whatever you think your secretary is comfortable clicking on, that's what she's clicking on. So, that's where we need to say, okay, this is a whole new industry and it's, you know, it's, 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 it's exploding right now. And I think over the next three to five years, cybersecurity training is going to be, it's going to be everywhere. And everybody, even the small companies are going to have to, going to have to do um, something along those lines. But that being said, so because it's so new, again, going back to the IT department, if you said to anybody five years ago, you know, something about cybersecurity, they probably wouldn't even really know what you were talking about. They'd say, you need to talk to the IT department. So right. it's always just that pass up. Oh, that's an IT thing. We don't we don't get involved in that. It's an IT thing. And like you, we've all just been talking about, it's not. It's it's the people. The IT thing might be perfect. You know, maybe they have the firewalls or whatever all they that stuff they need to do. But it's the people are just clicking on and downloading things. You're you're going nowhere. No, that's true. I mean, you can have the best firewall and all that packets like locked down to the teeth. But uh, I mean, if if somebody behind the firewall clicks on the clicks on the link. <laughs> There you go. Mm -hmm. It's mm -hmm. kind of like if you want to imagine like this is the this is the image I have is well first off I think the problem might be the term cybersecurity right because when you hear the term cybersecurity I think of like somebody like with this type of monitor set up you know like yeah. right <laughs> you know like hacking away at the matrix or something yeah. like that like yeah. but um you know it's not it doesn't have to be I mean there's a there's a whole cottage industry of folks and I don't think people realize I mean Bad actors are everywhere, but the phone connects you to the people down the street, but it connects you to the people on the other side of the planet. And the the cost to send out these emails is nothing. The cost to make a phone call these days, even internationally, is low. Mm -hmm. 
um, there was a story I heard about uh, a bunch of folks had basically pulled up the largest bank heist in history. I don't know the details. Maybe you do. Maybe you don't. But basically it was involved about coordinated attack of 50 people uh, with cloned uh, ATM cards. And they hit all the banks in about the span of like 20, 30 minutes, like max out each card. And they had like five different cards. Wow. And I forget what their ultimate take was, but I mean, it was like, it was maybe not the largest bank heist in history, but I mean, it was, it was respectable, like 24 million. No alarms went off. No sirens went off. By the time that they had realized that they were robbed, it already happened. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. And even with like this, you know, some of the social engineering that goes on with, let's say an office manager or somebody who's in charge of cutting the checks, you know, that person, they're getting an email. This happened to Barbara Corcoran from Shark Tank. So, you know, they were doing business with this company in Germany, building some hotels and somebody was in there. Some scammer got into the system, was just watching the communications back and forth. They start to pick up on the type of language you use, the way you, you, you type your emails, what logos look like, what emails look like. And then at the very right time, they sent an invoice for $400,000 for quote unquote furniture. So the office manager paid it and then contacted Barbara's assistant to let her know. And it turned out that it was um, a Chinese IP address and that the email address was off by one little digit. So I, wow. I did a video. I think I did a video or a post on that. I'm not sure which one, but um, somebody did say to me that they that they were able to get that money back. I was very surprised at that. I didn't. I was wow. the impression that they lost it. But it's it's stuff like that too. That's just this. You know, somebody shooting an email. Hey, by the way, you know, here's the invoice for that. Looks like the same invoices. You're not even questioning it. You know, you're doing business with this company. So that's another thing, too. That's that's uh, nefarious. <laughs> like, it's just amazing that, that uh, I mean, the ingenuity that these people d- deploy. It's not maybe maybe the problems in I mean, well, the problem is in our heads, but in the sense that, you know, we can fall for these things. But in the sense of when you think cybersecurity, I instantly think of the hacker and like securing the firewall and the packets. But if you run an organization or even just in your family, you know, my mom, uh, my mom is not technical, right? That's not her thing. And she would, you know, she's fallen for stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I, one of the, one of the, um, one of the tactics that's fallen out of favor lately was they, a random call where they call from, they call from the support desk. They call from Microsoft. That's one of my favorite ones because I can mess with them. Um, <laughs> uh, was, um, you know, and, and there's lots of stories about, you know, people call, you know, they call and say, you know, I need to, they basically pull up a part of your computer that's going to throw a lot of errors anyway, right? Just, and they say, oh, you're infected with a virus. You got to do this. And um, I remember the one time I messed with them, they're like, they're like, oh yeah, well, I'm like, well, I don't have a Windows PC. And they're like, oh, well, it must have been your Mac. I was like, well, I don't have a Mac either. And then he was like, he's like, oh, you're lying. You have to have a Mac or a PC. I was like, well, he goes, what computer do you have? And I said, I have Linux. And then he hung up immediately. I guess the assumption is if you know how to run Linux. You must know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It should probably run away. He probably had like a sheet on his thing. Like if they say this, say this. And like, <laughs> I'm doing some research right now. And there's a guy on YouTube. His name is um, Jim Browning. And he has a uh, page called Tech Support Scams. He's got millions and millions of followers and everything. And he is really, really a technical person. So he can do the same thing as you guys can do. He can play with those scammers and actually like get into the system. He was able to hack into the, the circuit, the closed circuit TV of where 
in India that they were they were all in there and he could see exactly what they were doing. It was crazy. So if anybody gets a chance, you might want to take a look at that on YouTube. I'm going to definitely be incorporating that. I'm putting together some courses. Oh, cool. People to go look at that because he's got hands on like really. And you can hear exactly what they're saying. Same thing you just said, Microsoft, and they're playing around and they put something on the screen so that you're seeing a black screen and they're seeing everything on your screen that you don't even know what's happening. So regular people don't, they just don't, don't understand all that stuff. So that's another reason why I try to make sure all my videos are very, very plain language because all of us, as soon as we start getting overwhelmed or intimidated by, by language, we just shut down. So now we're not learning anything because now while we're just when is this going to be over? That's all we're thinking of. So, but if you can kind of process it, visualize something along the way that I could see that happening. Okay. I could see that solution working. Well, start sounding like Charlie Brown's parents, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like first, you know, so-and-so is working at their desk and then wah, 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 wah. Right. You know, um, shout out to the, uh, the Charlie Brown Thanksgiving special. I figure I'd make it timely. Um, so you've mentioned courses. So, so like, what, what do you do specifically to kind of like combat this? Cause it seems like that's your mission. Yeah. So it's, it started out with um, the, the employee training, which I do some of the employee training, but also I've had a lot of people sending me requests for just some regular people training that maybe they could have their parent watch. Maybe they could have, you know, I talk about kids and social media safety and all that kind of stuff. That's just another disaster that's going on. But, um, you know, some people, they just want to know, how do I kind of somehow navigate these waters? I don't know anything. And I need to learn a little bit about something, right? But, you know, organizing your documents, even the mailbox. I talk about the mailbox. You need to empty the mailbox and, you know, see what, know what's going on in there and know if something's missing. So there's free tools that you can use and stop getting pre-approved credit cards. You can get rid of that. And then if you ever need a credit card, you can always to get one back on, turn it back on so that you'll start receiving them. Um, so to be clear, when you say mailbox, you mean the actual physical mailbox that snail mail goes. Okay, because most of our audience are engineers and they're immediately from oh. Outlook or Gmail, right? Just <laughs> the old-fashioned one at the end of the driveway, that one, that people were like, oh, I don't need to empty it every single day. Oh, you right. know, it's a big deal. It is a big deal. So we start talking about that and going into some of these phone scams that are happening emails what to look for in some of those emails you know a lot of people don't know if you hover over the link it's going to show you you know where it's going making sure you're looking at the email if you, if you have an email that says it's from um, amazon or fedex and then you look up there and the email address is comcast i mean th these are little things that normal people they just don't know to look for so it's it's basic stuff about that and then even you know look at everybody's always logged into google right most of us right now are probably logged into google on our phone and on our desktop and most people don't know that the three little dots on the right-hand side of the browser, if you click on that, you can see all the autofill pre-saved passwords and all the autofill um, pre-saved credit card payments or debit card payments. So, you know, you get Gmail 20 years ago or whatever, 15 years ago, and you made some password up. It's probably the same password that you have for every single other thing that's out there. And you use the same email and the same password for every account. So if that's been involved in a data breach, someone can get into your Gmail. And that's a little bit scary. There was a, um, yeah, the passwords seem like the neck. Like, so, so if you wanted to draw like a diagram, and I don't have my fancy little drawing thing here. So people seem to be the first line of defense. And the second one would be, I guess, it's people related. So passwords, you know, like it's it's easy to figure out, you know, you know, the, it was a, was it the movie Sneakers or Hackers where they were like, well, what's his anniversary? Like, what's what's his birthday? What's his kid's birthday? Like, it's easy to figure that stuff out. Mm -hmm. But I mean, um, with some of these password breaches, they can just kind of do that and figure out a password. And the chances are, like you said, and this is the big no-no, 
this at least that's what I'm taking away. The big no-no is don't have the same password for all these different things because you basically expose yourself. Right, exactly. So I always use this little example. You know, this is the other thing that's very sad. We are There's huge data breaches, millions and millions of bits of records or data or whatever. Every single day this is happening and we're numb to them. We're like, oh, whew, another, another data breach, another data breach. And that's a lot of personal information that's now out there for anybody to get their hands on. Right. So I use Grubhub, for example. It's a small food delivery service. So they got hacked, username, password. So people think, oh, what's the big deal? It's just my username and password. But if you're using the same email as your username and the same password for all of your accounts, your Facebook account, your Chase Bank, your your Bank of America, your whatever, and they can just, and they do, they try and they try and they try and they try and eventually they can get in. So that's the number one danger with, with making sure that the password is the same. You definitely don't want to have that. I try to suggest to people because they freak out when I tell them they should have a different password for every account. That's just like the cuckoo light goes off. So I say, well, have a passphrase. And then you remember the passphrase. And then the only thing that changes in every single password is the last bit. So let's say it's Mary had a little lamb, LinkedIn, 1985, exclamation point. And then my Chase one's going to be Mary had a little lamb, Chase, 1985, exclamation point. So now the only thing you need to remember is what account it is and whatever that extra little jazz you put at the end of it. Makes it a little bit easier to kind of say, okay, I can do this. I can do this. What, what are your you, thoughts on like password managers? I'm sorry, Andy. I catch up. I, no, I was going to ask the exact same question. <laughs> well, I think it's, I think it's the comfort level of people. I mean, you're taking somebody that's had the same password for 15 years, and um, now you're telling them that they're going to send it off to somebody else. And the first thing they typically think is, well, now what if they get hacked? You know, what am I going to do? And right. a lot of different different password managers. Some store the information on the device. Some store it. I have like this one, StashPass. They want me to try this out. It's like a little extra card that you just touch the phone, and then it will. Um, give you the password. Some of them send it to the cloud. But so again, they're, they're great if you're comfortable with them. But a lot of people like, you know, it's like, well, okay, let's do something versus, oh, wait, now I got to go figure out which one to sign up for. And they overcomplicate everything. So now they're just not doing right. it. And done is better than perfect. I always say with this. That's true. I like, I like that mentality because you're right. I mean, uh, perfect is, is, is an excuse not to get anything done really is, is right. the end result. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's that's interesting. Um, so we actually have some comments. This is one of the advantage. Um, I don't know if you can see that, Dana. So you, you yeah. are the first guest we've done this live. Uh, yeah, I know. Um, yeah, this is crazy. That Nigerian print scam, the 419 mm -hmm. scams. And some of them have actually gotten more outlandish over time. Um, there's um, There was... Uh, there was a story about an email going around that there was a Nigerian prince stuck on the International Space Station and had to. <laughs> I'm not making this up, and uh, that he had to wire money to the Russian government or to get him down or something like that. And and you know, our first reaction is like that's ridiculous. Yep. But then somebody I was talking to who was in this field, he's like, no, it's brilliant because you've already isolated people who are going to fall or who are not going to fall for it. Mm -hmm. They're just going to laugh. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it, one in a million and if you send an email out to 10 million people, uh, yeah. if 10 people send you uh, $250,000 or, or whatever it is, you walk away with a nice chunk of change. Yeah. And you know what else is really sad, too, is that when people do fall for these scams, either the phone scams or the email scams, then they get put on a list. The list yeah. of suckers. That's the list they're on. And then that list really? is all over the place. So then they're going to get scammed again because everyone's like, "Woo, we got a hot one here. And then they end up, someone else is going to go try their whatever shtick is. And the shame, I guess, because it's just so ridiculous. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Yeah. Shame is a big part of their mechanism, isn't it? It definitely, yeah, definitely. Especially with the seniors, which is just so sad. It really is so, so sad. That is a shame. So your opinion then about people who do mess with them. I've seen some YouTube videos where someone gets called and it's uh, an IRS game mm-hmm. and they're about to come and arrest and a warrant has been issued and there's two or three people involved. What do you think of, of those people that kind of play along and draw them out? Well, I mean, I guess if you want to, if you want to, you know, if you're savvy enough to be able to play with them and, you know, kind of do that, you know, if you want to have fun with them, have fun with them. You know, some people tell me they do shoot air horns into the thing. They just put the phone down for hours, you know, whatever. Um, but when it comes to the real people that are really at risk, they really just need to you know, get off the phone. And they also need to understand, too, the government agencies are not going to call you, not going to call you. But these these scammers, they'll spoof the phone number. So it does say it's the IRS. So you're looking, you're saying, oh, the IRS is calling. And then you answer the phone and then they're telling you all this crazy talk. And then they actually believe them. I had one guy who messaged me. He said that his mom got a call from the IRS, right? And said that um, she was going to jail. She had gone and packed her suitcase and was calling her son to say, I'm going to be down at the, at, the, at the prison. You need to come pick me up or, or help me get out. And the son was at work like, "What, mom, what are you talking about? Mm-hmm. Wow. 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 So the there's some, I've heard the FCC is looking into some legislation, especially about the spoofing and uh, for calls like that. Any uh, any thoughts on that or any updates on it? I just kind of heard it in passing. Well, I think the issue is that th- these phone numbers, they go through phone numbers, you know, like water. So it's it's not like they have one line that they're calling over and over and over again. I mean, that number, most of the times, if you ever tried to call it back, it just goes to nowhere now. Well, uh, there's also the matter of if they're out of the country, like what can they do? I mean, yeah, right. it becomes like this whack-a-mole, like, like you said, like <laughs> shut down this phone number. Yep. Ten minutes later, they're on another number. I mean, it just seems like the best, the best offense is a good defense. I guess mm-hmm. flipping that, flipping that phrase around, in the sense sure. of you know, well-trained people. Mm-hmm. So, so what types of organizations do you work with? Obviously, I work for a large. I work for a large company, and you know, we have. There's a whole video on YouTube about the red team and blue team and what they do and all that. Mm-hmm. But um, Andy, it looks like you're in the witness protection program. <laughs> oh yes. <laughs> I'm hiding um, out. But um, uh, <laughs> what what were like you know the plumber down the street or like you know the the small business and I and I really wonder like God bless Barbara Corcoran for getting her money back but if she wasn't Barbara Corcoran right yeah exactly. what, what would the banks have said the banks would have been like not our problem you know. <laughs> Yep, there was a company in Connecticut, and they were building things for this company out in Colorado. So they're building it, they're sending, and same thing, communicating back and forth. So the Colorado company, somebody sent a fake invoice, so they paid it. It was $70,000, and these were both, you know, smaller size businesses. That's a lot of money for a smaller size business. So they had paid it. It was gone. So now the people who were doing the building, they're like, well, you still owe us $70,000. And that's what you have to be careful of looking in your insurance policies as to what's going to be covered and what's not going to be covered. Because that's a very sensitive area right now. They're trying to toss it off into, well, that's just going to be under the cyber liability insurance policy instead of just your regular insurance policy. So I would suggest any small business look into that and see, well, what if that did happen? What, what would, would be covered? And then also just make sure you open up the lines of communication with whoever is sending money. You know, you need to double check somehow, some way, every time you're going to wire money with someone else through a secure way and then make sure that it's, it's a legitimate request that someone is sending. Interesting. Well, I noticed uh, at, at uh, whenever you see a Western Union sign or Western Union office, there's a huge sign in multiple languages. 
saying, you know, don't send money to people you don't know. And, you know, right. like, I wonder how effective that signage has been, because at that point, if you're scared, and you're thinking about your loved one that's trapped, you know, in a foreign country, in a foreign jail. Like, do you realize, like, I mean, do you, I this is really kind of a, I guess, a question no one can really answer. Do people look at that and think, well, that's not happening here? Like, I mean, I don't know. Rationale is completely out the window. I mean, another thing is like these romance scams. This is really sad. So, you know, these poor people, online dating is kind of a new thing. Maybe they somehow start communicating with somebody. And, you know, everybody's a little lonely these days with this whole COVID thing and everybody being isolated. So that's really not helped anything. So they're typing away and, and, you know, back and forth communication. They feel like they're establishing a relationship with somebody for whatever reason. That other person is never able to go on like a Zoom or a FaceTime or anything like that. They can only they can only type. They can't they can't talk on the phone. They can just just type. So these poor people, when they when they fall victim to this, they message me and I feel terrible for them. I sometimes get on the phone with them and I'm like, listen, you can't beat yourself up. This has happened to quite a few people. And some of the stories are so ridiculous to me. They're so ridiculous. But this person is emotionally invested in this relationship that they had. And then it will typically go, you know, whatever. It's going on. Great. They check in every day. One lady had prayer time every day with this person. And then all of a sudden it's, well, can you do me a favor? Of course I can do you a favor. You know, we have this relationship now. I want to help you. And then it's some financial request that they're asking. And then they promise they're so embarrassed. And I promise I'll pay you back, you know, as soon as I can. And then the person takes the money and is never to be found again. So that's really, really sad because the person's not only heartbroken and mortified, they're out their money. And those are a lot yeah. of the ones that they don't tell people about because they really are just so embarrassed by the whole thing. That's a real shame. I mean, that's a shame, like you said, shame on more than one level. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned COVID. Uh, COVID has been, and we were talking in the virtual green room, COVID has been a big boon for these folks, right? I mean, like they, they've done pretty well. Mm-hmm. And I, and that sounds terrible the way I say that. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, I know, but I get it. Yep. They really, they really monetized COVID or t- just took advantage of that. So, so what? And again, the same thing with those poor people that fell victim to the romance scams. They're now on the list of the romance scam suckers. So now they, somebody else is, you know, tries to create a, create a relationship with them and nobody ever thinks that's going to happen twice to them. It's terrible. Wow. I mean, that's just crazy. I mean, like, uh, so so what can what can the average person do particularly in line of like all the online shopping that's going to take place in the next three to four weeks what um and 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 there's a lot of dl sites there's a lot of uh plugins that are you install in the browser to get a better deal on amazon or this or that some of those plugins could be sketchy yeah (laughs) and you got to remember every time you're doing one of those things it's data they're collecting from you Data, data, data. That's what everybody wants is your data so that they can go turn around and send and sell that data. So those plugins that, you know, they're under the guise of, oh, we're going to save you money. We're going to give you extra coupons, you know, happy, happy. And every regular person is just like, oh, this sounds good. Let me put it on there. So they're, they're, they're putting those on there. But as far as holiday shopping, my biggest thing is, is, you know, they get delivered to the house, right? Everyone's shopping online now. So now these emails, these scam emails that are coming in, they look really good. The days of the text of the Nigerian prince, those are out the window. These are ones that are coming from FedEx or Amazon or UPS, and they look good. And it's about Mm. your delivery, or it's about you need to update your payment information. So they want you somehow to be clicking on something and then entering in some kind of personal information. So I always suggest to people, if you ordered something, let's say it is from Amazon, go to your Amazon account, not through the, not through clicking, go to amazon.com, log into your account, and then you can see 
if there really is a situation that's happening. You know, it's funny you mentioned that. It actually happened to me. I, I got this email that looked very legit, looked like an, a, an Amazon kind of order confirmation that I sent somebody a TV. I bought somebody a TV in Florida, like a $6,000 TV and a PlayStation and an Xbox in Florida. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, uh, no, I didn't. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, I don't buy that for myself. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm not buy it for anyone else. Um, so then my first, my first instinct was to click on the thing. And I'm like, no, wait a minute now. And then I hovered over it because I was on my laptop, not driving. Um, and um, I was like, it went to something. It was like something, something, Amazon dot something, something else dot com. And I was like, oh, look at this. Look at this. But the first thing I did just to be safe is I go to another browser, looked at my real Amazon account. And it's like there's nothing in my order history. All right. Then my heart rate went down. And then I called over my my older son. I was like, hey, well, let me show you something. Because <laughs> yeah. you've got to see yeah. this. Yeah. And if your audience is all very technical people, they probably do know a lot of these things, but that doesn't mean that their kids or their spouses or their parents or whatever. So, you know, even if you know it, you know, help, let's get the conversations going. So more people are talking about this stuff. Yeah, no, I like that. I like the idea of the kind of grassroots education, if you will. I think it's the only way this is going to be able to spread itself unless you get, you know, a hundred million of me that are regular people that are going around and just talking, talking to everybody in very non-technical terms we have to help help each other learn right i like that that's something andy and i do a lot with uh with that like um you know helping each other right because i mean that's just helping educate and stuff like that yeah um so uh you did mention you 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 have courses like so what what do you what do you do like what what sorts of organizations do you work with i might have asked you this already uh as far as the online um webinars and stuff like that those are for, for a lot of big, big corporations that, again, it's their regular people. They may be a technical company, but they're regular staff. They're the ones, and it's all the stuff we've just been talking about. That so we'll sit down and we'll do a webinar and then have a nice question and answer session afterwards. And then it's recorded if other employees want to watch it. Um, the courses I was talking about, those are the, those are the ones that I'm putting together for the, um, the regular people. I'm not supposed to talk about it because it's supposed to be my big announcement for the end of the month. But, okay, there it is. We won't tell anybody. It's <laughs> we won't tell anyone. That's right. So how can people learn more about about you and what you do and how can they find your business and your services? Well, well, I'm always on LinkedIn. I tell everybody that and I'd love to connect with you. So if you're on LinkedIn, just send me a connection request and, and then you can see all my crazy videos. Um, and then they can also go to my website, which they're is fun. They're fun. You totally should watch them. It's like it's like I never thought cybersecurity and although I although that term, I didn't think it would be funny and entertaining. Like she makes it funny. Well, and that's the oh, thing. People say, oh, you have such a fun topic. I'm like, no, I don't. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> well, kudos to you, though. Like, you made something that most people, they, they have to go to security training. I mean, I'm sure every large Fortune 500 has this whole security yeah. thing. And, like, no one looks. Like, I'm in the line. I'm in the technology industry. And I I don't look forward to that, right? Like, No, but yeah. But, but you make little videos that are like, they, I, I don't know. I, I don't know what your traffic numbers, but I'm assuming they go viral of some, uh, in some degree. Yeah, I built quite a little audience. And it's funny because when I first started doing them, you know, this was a big leap. This is a very serious business, identity theft sure. and cybercrime, right? So I didn't want the videos to come off as people looking and saying, what's wrong with this woman? What is she doing? You know? Right. But what I wanted to do was take one specific topic that I break down and then try to add a little humor and then off it goes. So at the beginning, it really didn't get a lot of traction. <laughs> so- right. Well, if you're not. <laughs> 
it, it, I mean, there's something to be said for it. Like, you know, if you're if you're not getting that kind of reaction at first, you're not being innovative enough. I mean, there's a number of uh, people we listen to, Andy and I listen to, kind of maybe even obsessively, like the Grant Cardones of the world, the Ty Lopez's of the world. Each one of those guys is a, an acquired taste, but they they're that's kind of their core. Mm-hmm. Their core message is on point. Uh, so we had a comment from um, uh, Thomas. Uh, what are your thoughts about? You think credit providers that provide the, to protect their that was, service? That was a follow up from his previous comment. Oh, okay. Yep. Got it. Okay. Um, I, I I don't know if this is what Thomas meant, but I'll tell oh, wait, you what. Here, I, here's the first one. It looks like it's the first one said. You, if this is the first one, usually my credit card is calling me on charges like that. American Express, USA have been really good about this. And then and then it looks like it was aligning credit providers. I don't really understand that part of the question. But. So as I understood it, it seems like it if it's in the best interest of the credit card companies and insurance companies to make this education more widely known. Yes. And this is what I always talk about when I talk about a credit card versus a debit card. And I tell people you should use a credit card as much as you possibly can and use that debit card as little as possible because the credit card company, that's why they're watching out for that because that's their money that's being spent and fraudulently charged or whatever. So the quicker that they can detect it and maybe undo something, the better off they are. But when you have a debit card, if there's fraudulent activity, that's coming right out of your account. And depending upon your bank, which everybody should check to see. Um, what the policy is with how many days have gone by, how much they'll reimburse reimburse that. And sometimes after, let's say it's 60 days, that you're not getting that money back. So it's a line of defense. And I know people get a little upset with me saying, oh, if all people are not disciplined enough to use credit cards. And if you are and you pay that off every single month, if you can stay in that, that discipline, you're much safer having a credit card than using a debit card. Interesting. Yeah. And uh, a lot of the fraud detection algorithms and stuff like that were pioneered at a lot of these credit card companies. Some of the best data scientists in the world, they work at these credit card companies, look for fraudulent transactions. Mm-hmm. And they're pretty good. I mean, they only uh, I mean, I've I've had them call me. I've had them lock out the card. They were wrong once. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. Most of the time. I one time I had to go buy a whole bunch of iPads, which I never do. This is a few years ago, so I got a call on that, which that made sense to I get a call on that because that's not something I would normally do. Right, right. Sure. Was interesting for me. It was a vending machine at IKEA that triggered the thing <laughs> because wow. I, it didn't work. I don't know what happened. I, I part of it was um, my one of my kids was swiping it and it was swiped multiple times or something like that. Mm-hmm. I think that's what triggered it. But um, yeah, sidetrack. It's what we do, Dana. It's what we do. <laughs> okay. Uh, and your URL um, is is what? Identityprotectionplanning.com. Okay, cool. We'll definitely make sure that's in the show notes. Yep. Uh, one of the things we always ask is, uh, do you listen to audiobooks? Yes, I do. Cool. Do you have a recommendation of a favorite book? Uh, I do. But I also have an old book. I'm sure it's on Audible somewhere. But um, I think it's very appropriate for everything that we're all going through with COVID. It's the Who Moved My Cheese book which is uh, at least 15 years old, but just talking about adapting to a whole new circumstance that you wanted to go back to the, to the way that it was as much as you possibly possibly can, but it's not going to. So it's all about learning how to force yourself to adapt to the new environment. So if that one's not on there, but I also like uh, Gary V. I'm a big Gary V. Oh, yes. Yeah. So yeah. his crush it uh, and crushing it and all the, all the ones that he's got on there. I love oh, it. with your content. I see it now. I see it now. That's brilliant. I was going to yeah. say, like, it's it, some of the things you had said about doing the content and kind of breaking it down. I'm like, 
That's very Gary V-ish. If- <laughs> yeah, and even just throwing yourself out there. I mean, for you know months, I, I went back on LinkedIn because he said, oh, you know, LinkedIn is going to be kind of a new big thing for businesses, which made sense because everybody signed up for it about 15 years ago, and then nobody went, went on it until we all kind of came back or were starting to come back over right. the last couple of years. Okay. Um, so then I watched people's stuff, and I watched Shay Robottom, who I love, 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 Shay. And her, she was the only one doing videos on there. This is about probably two years ago. Right. And uh, he, he was like, listen, you guys, you got to throw yourselves out there. You're not going to know unless you actually do. And then I said, all right, well, I got to give this a whirl. And then it was even worse because I did. And then I didn't get any. <laughs> like, <laughs> I thought, all right, well, I'm going to keep going on this for six months. And if I don't get any traction, then I'm probably going to pack it up here. Right. But it, you, you, how long did it take to get traction? I would say I would say probably about 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 six months is when it when it did. And then a little bit after that is when I went through Shay's boot camp. And that was very, very helpful to teach oh, really? to set up videos and ways to lay them out. So then I really um, my videos, I think, got a little bit more professional looking. Um, so that that was very, very helpful. So that was about a year and a half ago, I think. So cool. No, that's definitely that's definitely good to know. Shay, Shay Robottom stuff is also very entertaining on, on LinkedIn as well. Mm-hmm. Um it's uh, it's uh, it's interesting to see kind of the, the the medium of LinkedIn again. Full disclosure: they're owned by Microsoft, who mm-hmm. pays my mortgage. Yeah. Um, but um, no, I've noticed that too. Like I, I've been on YouTube since 2013. One of my, I, I'll come out there with my other big shame, right? Like is like how horrible my subscription numbers are, right? I have uh, now. I'm at like 350 subscribers, right? Yay me! But on YouTube, I have. I don't. I think I have three subscribers. I know. Well, I'll, I'll make sure to subscribe to you there. But no, I mean, like, just <laughs> I, I. Actually, the ironic thing is that because we do these live streams, because I get more engagement on on LinkedIn, mm-hmm. I would do more live streams. Which using either Restream or uh, the one with the duck Streamyard. Yeah. Um, I would just just oh. Hey, why not, right? <laughs> yeah. And I'm actually seeing my YouTube numbers go up, and then maybe, maybe I mean, the problem probably was me. I wasn't publishing enough. I wasn't publishing enough interesting stuff. And um, you know, I think um, just fascinating. We we can sidetrack on this all day, but we want to be respectful <laughs> of your time. Um, definitely, definitely want to talk to you offline about kind of the Shea Robottom stuff because um, she's crushing it. Yep. Um, and um, uh, Audible is a sponsor of the show. So if you go to thedatadrivenbook.com, it'll route you to Audible. And if you get a subscription, we get a bit of a cut. We get a bit of a, a little, um, you know, enough to buy a Starbucks, probably. <laughs> um, but we do are looking for creative ways to monetize the show. We have a couple other projects kind of in the pipeline. New shirt design, Andy. New T-shirt design. Yes. Saw that. The Datalorian. The Datalorian. Yes. yes. So <laughs> I know, right? Like, so we have a we have a t-shirt uh, uh, a merch shop on Amazon and uh, one of the designs actually was a guy fishing and it was like I changed the I bought like a bunch of pre-made designs for some of them and I changed it to from fishing to pH fishing. Mm-hmm. Funny story, so my one of my kids, my older he's now 10, but when he was like 3 or 4, I'm not an outdoorsy guy, I grew up in New York City. Right? He comes to me and says, Daddy, I want to I want to go fishing. And I'm thinking, dude, stealing money from people is Oh, you meant okay. <laughs> That's funny. 
And then when my when my younger well now my, my my now my younger son he was about the same age now he's like daddy I want to go fishing I want to get a and I'm like I want to go fishing, and I just thought to myself, I was like that's funny I know what he's talking about now. <laughs> um, but um, again with the sidetrack, um, I've started listening to a new audiobook. This is what we usually do at the end of the thing. Um, uh, we'll talk about uh, audiobook that's called the mathematics of life and death. Very fascinating discussion on false positives, false negatives, cancer screenings. It's just like, it's very thought provoking. There was this whole chapter about how cancer screenings, like, you know, if you do kind of this mass market of like as many people as possible, a false positive is very nerve wracking for the person but if it brings in more people to get more advanced diagnostic testing, that's a good thing. And it talks about the ethics of it. It's very fascinating in terms of how point. numbers can be. Yeah. And it was on sale for, on, for like $3 one day. So that's why I picked it. Nice. I'm listening to Green Lights, Matthew McConaughey. Oh, I'll have to check that out. Cool. Yep. yep. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you, Dana, for being on the show. Um, and um, we'll definitely make sure we get all your information we can put in the show notes. And um, everyone out there, thanks for joining. I see Thomas has said thank you and have a happy Turkey Day. Same to you, thank same you, to you, everyone out there in LinkedIn land, YouTube land. Uh, I think we're on everywhere but Instagram, but we'll fix that at some point in the future. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thanks for your time. And um, if you're listening to this on the recording, we'll let the British lady end the show. Thanks for listening to Data Driven. I have to say that I do not find it at all surprising that humans are the weakest link in the security chain. Just kidding. I have a lot of human friends. Now, getting back to business. We know you're busy and we appreciate you listening to our podcast. But we have a favor to ask. Please rate and review our podcast on iTunes, Amazon Music, Stitcher, or wherever you subscribe to us. You have subscribed to us, haven't you? Having high ratings and reviews helps us improve the quality of our show and rank us more favorably with the search algorithms. That means more people listen to us, spreading the joy. And, can't the world use a little more joy these days? Now, go do your part to make the world just a little better and be sure to rate and review the show. <laughs>